fear-mongers and demagogues. Strike fear into the hearts of your supporters. Hone the edge of your wedge issue. And if you're not with me, honestly, that's okay, because there's room enough for all of us on this beautiful planet. Because let me tell you, it's time to talk tall to me. It's terrible, I know. I'm very bad with impressions. The fact that it exists is terrible. If it had been like Ronald Reagan, it would have been okay. Or Nixon. Yeah. Welcome back. I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moes. And this, my constituents, is Talk Told to Me. A pulpit-thumping stump speech in the culture wars of prog rock. In which, not on my watch, Nick, and oh, so you think you're better than me, Omen, will search for the truth behind every single song that moderate independent rock band Jethro Tull has ever drafted into legislation. We will suck poisoned promises from the fangs of Florian O'Fale, gulp the egregious goodier graphics, and harangue the hopeless Hammond humanity. And by pushing ourselves further and further to dogmatic extremes, we will finally enter into the inner circle of the one-legged lion, the firebrand flautist, the recreational radicalist, the moderate mandolinist, Ian Anti-disestablishmentarianism, Anderson. Nice. What's the fun fact about anti-disestablishmentarianism? It's the longest word that's really a word in the English language. Bingo. No. That's it, everybody. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Nick, this is uh, the episode where we, you and I, Nick and Omen, talk about... Correct. Jethro Tull, and more Uh specifically, we talk Tull about what has been known to become... The title track of the album on which we currently are on. Yes, I had to structure that sentence in my head. I think it works. I can confirm we are on the titular track off of The Zealot Gene. It's ironically enough called The Zealot Gene. It is the fourth track. I believe it was the first single. Pretty sure that's correct. I think so, yeah. First single. It's a doozy. It's a great one. Let's get into it. Let's jump right into the zealot gene. There is the zealot gene. Christ, that was the zealot gene. What a doozy that song is. What a doozy. It's the title track. It's also, in some ways, I think the thesis of the album. It's the thesis of the album. It's the thesis of the last what, six years, five, six years, at least? Oh, in terms of our geopolitical history? Yeah. Well, and and is it also perhaps the thesis of the last two to 3,000 years? I mean, sure, certainly, allegorically, you can bring it back that far, but I, I'm, I'm fairly certain, and uh, he has come out and said it, that this is... This can be rather poignantly applied to today. Yeah, definitely. He being Ian, obviously. Yes, and and there are some references to specific modern factors in the song. However, he also says, I mean, I think if if you look at the the Bible verses that he associates with this song, Mm -hmm. it is about God saying to the... The zealots. I mean, the word zealot comes from the the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's a group of people who 
were passionately against the people around them and and went in and destroyed anyone who wasn't a follower of their of their beliefs. Yeah. Do you happen to have those verses pulled up? So the readings from the Bible that we are discussing for the Zealot Gene are Numbers chapter 25, verses 7 through 11, and then Ezekiel chapter 9, verses 4 through 7. So Numbers gives us, When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear into both of them, right through the Israelite man and into the woman's stomach. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. Oh my God. The Lord said to Moses, Phineas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites. Since he was as zealous for my honor among them as I am, I did not put an end to them in my zeal. So that was Numbers. Then to Ezekiel, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And to the others he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city, and smite. Let not your eye spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. And he said unto them, Defile the house, and fill the courts with the slain. Go ye forth. And they went forth, and slew into the city. Slay. Very Old Testament again. If you're not with me, you're against me. And if you're against me, I will have you killed. As the song says, If I said I like your body, would you hold it against me? I mean, that's an, that's an old pickup line. What song is that? It's a pop song. I forget. <laughs> Could be any. Yeah, so there, there it is. There's the thesis. And obviously, as you have been saying, we see that mentality reflected in the the politics and the public discourse in America, certainly also in Britain, also in Europe, and on every other continent, really. Yeah, it kind of, once the seed starts to germinate somewhere, the people come out of the woodwork, whether it's the supporters of that type of belief and governmental system or the people who will step into that role in power because they then therefore have that support. Yeah. And as Ian wrote at the top of this chapter for Silent Singing, he he believes that this is something that is innate to humanity, that that all of us have the capacity to fall into this trap, I think. Yeah of ideology yeah. where we get into this this vein of oh no what we have the right way of doing it and so everyone else is wrong and so we have to make them our enemies yeah it's it's not just we have our differences it's to the utmost extreme i mean it's it's what we see in the we'll talk about it we'll save it for the second half nick any thoughts about the music of this song you know what there is some music in this song i think we should talk about it yeah it's the part where the song is yeah 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 nearly four minutes long about 345 or so 
This song, last episode, I was saying how I felt like the guitar was underpowered. On this track, Florian has turned the guitar up, maybe not to 11, but he's turned it up a little bit. I'd say a seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think we did mention that, that it was a good transition between Jacob's Tales is like, there's decent guitar. Mine is the mountain, nothing, but it's a, it's a really good kind of smooth bridge. It gives us that crunchy texture of here, here, here with, for those of you, there is a visual element to that. Those of you not watching the video, which you can for $15 a month, Patreon, subscribe. There we go. But yeah, for the, there is the extra effect of hearing nothing during Mine is the Mountain and then opening with chugagagang, chugagagang. It's very good. It's very, very good. It's It really encompasses the idea of the song. It really feels like it's, it is an extreme. Yes, it's, it, yes, absolutely. He's put the guitar onto kind of an overdrive. So it's, it's turned up in that way mm -hmm. where it's, it's straining against the limits of its, of its existence. Yeah. It hates it and enjoys it all at the same time and wants everyone to hate it as well. It's dehydrated. It's red in the face. Yeah, it's been drinking Red Bull way too much. It can't stop. Its kidneys are a mess. Yes. But it will get the votes. It's late for its dialysis treatment. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, so that amazing chuggy guitar. We've got all very minor, very dark. Except for the chorus. Does that get major? It does. It does. Okay. Fellow weights are on the side. Which is a curious choice, but it still is sandwiched in that feeling of dark. So it still feels negative and eerie and depressing, but it, it's somehow more effective. Obviously, that, that change from, from major to minor or, or back and forth. Well, you know, it parallels in a way what we were talking about last time, where last time we were talking about the, the flight of the Israelites from Egypt and the Old Testament God, Yahweh, saying, hey, we'll make a deal. You worship me and only me, and I'll make things good for you. And it's yeah. going to be hard, and you're going to hate it. But there will be these moments of beauty. There'll be manna from heaven, etc. Right. And so the song kind of reflected that, like, darkness, 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 huge burst of light. Sure, right, right, yeah. And this kind of has that same flavor in a way where it's like, everything's really bad, everything's really bad, everything's really bad, but... You'll have these moments when you feel like you're winning, like our team is winning, yay. Mm, but that's not even, that's not necessarily a good thing. If you if you step back and are removed from it, it's not necessarily a good thing. In the middle of the zeal and the excitement when your team is winning, that's great. But if you were to economically and politically step back and see that one side is clearly overpowering the other... I guess if we're talking democracy specifically, but I mean anything that should or could be a democracy. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great when the two sides are overpowered or the one side rather is overpowered. Yeah. 
But the feeling of it, yeah. I think, is what is captured by the chorus. Well, yes, exactly. Exactly. In terms of the mix, this I think this whole album is really remarkably well mixed and remarkable because of the slightly disassociated way that it was recorded. Yeah. So they did record some of the tracks together and then and that took a year or, or more because of the touring dates and how busy everyone was. And then when COVID hit, they started recording all their parts separately. Yeah. And so, I mean, huge epic recording process for this. The end result is overall I think this album is like I said incredibly well mixed. This song in particular, I think is maybe the best mix so far that we've had. It's very crisp and clear. You hear a lot of, well, you hear all of the parts. Yeah. I think it was when it first came out, when we did our our kind of overall, like JDA gave us the scoop and we, we were able to drop the episode at the same time that the album dropped. I think that it was Doc Savage who was like, this is not crisp and clear at all. He thinks it's muddy, so I'm curious to know if anyone else thinks this is not a crisp recording, and I, I'm wondering why, because I've, I said it back then, and, and I think we both agree that this is such a really crisp, clean piece, you know? It could be that the individual pieces, some of them are, you could call them uh, muddy, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, but... You know, maybe maybe there would be room for improvement with individual instruments yeah, in terms yeah. of the recording quality. Who knows? I mean, maybe if they were recording in their home. For some of the tracks, Hammond didn't record because he he didn't have he didn't have a setup. You know, when everyone was on mm. lockdown, he had his drums, but he didn't have a way to record them that was sufficient. Right, right. But I think the mix between the instruments is really well balanced, yeah. especially with this song. You can hear the bass, you can mm -hmm. hear the drums really well, you can hear the guitar. All the different layers of synthesizer that are in there. I love the synth in this one. It's it's great. It's fantastic. It really adds to it. Ian plays the flute on it. He sings. You can hear everything really clearly, and it's all it's all there, like laid out before you. And I love it. And I think this is one of the songs that they played in concert leading up to the album, which would would not surprise me at all. They played live, and. His voice in this, as the last couple of songs, like his voice is great for this song. It's really good. Yeah, it's good. It does does get a little bit higher at times too. It's not it's not d deep in the throat like say mine is the mountain was, except for that falsetto. But like he does he right. does push up a little bit in this one. Yeah, and you get the sense that he's using his range to great effect. Yeah. Yeah, he's he he recognizes his range and and he uses it going up in that register sparingly, obviously. But I mean, in this one, in this one, it really works in terms of the effect of the zeal and zealotry of getting up in that excitement and that that higher pitch. Exactly, exactly. You mentioned the organ. The organ fulfills a number of different roles in this song. We have some drones that it's doing, where mm. you just hear this like high up. 
Half of us are in the apple, half of us are in the pie. It also is playing counterpoint and kind of taking the guitar role, you know, the lead role at certain points. I particularly like in the chorus, carrying the zealot gene. Yeah, it's almost like a, like a trumpet setting. Yeah, a little fanfare almost. Yeah, exactly. Carrying the zealot And then we have it on a string setting a couple of times, mm -hmm. which is really nice, very pretty and ominous. No one has the right to tell you to lie down when all is said. All clearly synth, you know, none of it's like, ooh, now we're gonna now we're gonna try to make you think that there's a string section or, or brass section. Right. They're clearly there and there's a little there will always be a little silliness of like a synth string or synth brass section, but I still I still really like it. I mean, it's still really good. It works for the sound. It's funny to me how we've gone full circle from Tull at the advent of the synthesizer sounding so newfangled that it sounded weird. Yeah. And now the synth almost sounds retro. Yeah. Like it almost has a nostalgic feel to it. Like, ah, yes, the synth. I remember back when my granddaddy played the synth. I know. And it's... and. We were obviously reviewing those early synth albums present day, so it should still have felt nostalgic, but as we, we got to experience the albums as they progressed, so we it was kind of still that new feel and experience. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's because it's the difference between having forty to fifty years of synth experience. Synth experience. Ooh. Close your eyes and embrace. The synth experience. <laughs> Bring an extra pair of shoes. Ooh. Because your first ones will be filled with synth experience. They will get sticky. It's the the embracing of the synth experience, but it's also the progression of the technology as well. Exactly. Yeah. Everything is very, I would say, straightforwardly played. This is a yeah. song in a common time to signature, either either two. Two seven, you know the com the com <laughs> either four four or eight eight. Well, this was radio single, presumably. So I know Ian in the past. Ian has been like, "All right, let's do forty three two for that radio single." But I, I think I think he his rebellious spirit has mellowed a little bit in terms of like sticking one to the man, you know, because he is now the man a little bit. Well, and also, it's not like this song is is devoid of rhythmic complexity. Oh, sure. Absolutely, yeah. Especially when we get into the breakdown section, it gets into that proggy side of things. It becomes a little bit more, more complex in terms of the rhythms being used, even though the underlying time signature is still pretty straightforward. You're talking about that, that instrumental bridge? Yes, yes, at around 220. It's great. I love that part. It's really, really good. There are times when when we hear instrumental bridges. I think it was with was it Mine is the Mountain or Jacob's Tale? Could have been either or both. Where the bridge is there. Oh, I think it was Mine is the Mountain. I, I said the bridge is there. It does what it's supposed to do. It breaks up the kind of low monotony of Mine is the Mountain vocally, but it doesn't wow me at all. Like it's it does what it says on the tin. It does exactly what it says on the tin. But this one, this is. This enhances the song. This one does. 
Yeah, and it, it provides you some time for reflection and complication of the themes. And I, and I think that part of the reason that it works with the time signature being straightforward and there's something very direct about this song is because the concept itself, while being simple and straightforward, is really intense to think about. Yeah. Do we all have a gene, literal DNA, which causes us to experience and enact acts of vicious murder for the sake of beliefs? Is that like, is that a thing that is actually built into our humanity? Oh my gosh. I, I mean, it's that break. I, I find it difficult to absorb anything in that break because it is really kind of it just takes the hectic and and an urgency up to another level but that aside the idea of do we have this gene i'm i'm about halfway through editing jacob's tales right now and we we kind of touch on that there as well with the two tribes with you're different right. than me we are, we're constantly trying to get ahead of one another it's the same thing. Even though we're brothers. Yeah, even though we're brothers, exactly. Even though we're from the same country, even though we come from the same womb, you name it, like there's still that that animalistic tendency and you it can be applied in so many different ways. And it clearly is in the Bible, you know, and and therefore allegorically transfers by the transitive property fits onto so much today. Well, I mean, you just have to take a quick peek at history. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, it lasts. It's, it is it is there and will last forever. Look at the persecution of the Jews in Europe in the 15 and 1400s by the Spanish Catholic Church. Is is that the pogroms? When was the pogroms? Or is that World War II? The pogroms were, were pre-World War II, late 1800s or mid-1800s, early 1900s in Eastern Europe and Russia. Okay. Yeah, look at Fiddler on the Roof. Look at <laughs> every day, <laughs> and that's the context of that of that musical yeah. is is them them realize you know them realizing they have to get out of Dodge. Or look at I mean, you know, the philosophy of Buddhism or the the religion of Buddhism is literally that every human being is the same and there are no divisions between us, and therefore we all have to try to reduce suffering in the world. There are Buddhist communities that commit murders against Muslims in Southeast Asia. Wow, I did not realize that. And commit acts of terror because they don't want Muslims in their in their area. Wow. Islam is a fundamentally extremely peaceful religion. If you look at the if you look at the texts and you know, most Muslims will say, "Oh yeah, you know, p- peace and charity and and helping other people is a fundamental part of of the religion." And look at the Terrorist groups who are extreme followers of Islam and have taken some element of it and blown it out of proportion. Christianity. Love thy brother as thyself. Love love thy neighbor as thyself. Turn the other cheek. As long as it's a white man who also practices Christianity. (laughs) It's uh, your specific brand of Christianity, no less. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. All of this is the definition of, of zealot, though. I, look at the look at the uh, the gilfs and the gibberti- the gibbertines. I I try not to. If I can <laughs> don't look it. at them too closely. <laughs> they were two they were two political factions in Florence in the 1300s. I want to say, I couldn't tell you what either of them believed in, 
But they were dicks to one another. They were. And, uh, and Dante Alighieri was on the wrong side. Classic. The losing side and got banished. My first exposure, I believe, to the word zealot was in the Kevin Costner Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Great movie. Oh, so good. It kind of holds up in, a, in like a nostalgic way. It holds a little bit. up. It holds up. But Alan Rickman's Sheriff of Nottingham. Ugh. In order to help combat against... Talk about chewing the scenery. Oh, God. Just pristine work. But in order to combat against Robin Hood and his his guerrilla warfare, he gets the Celts. Oh, yeah. He brings the Celts in. And there's there's like a, a really big battle where the Merry Men and everybody in their like tree village are, uh, sees these, essentially these wild men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In face paint and kilts like running down... And it's it's a pretty big fight, but I I just remember, and I I might be misconstruing this, but I remember him talk referring to the Celts and 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 talking about the zealots. Yeah, That's my my Alan Rickman. That was good. Get the zealots, <laughs> <laughs> Alan Rickman, Mister mm, Potter. And I'm sure I've, I may have told you this before, but I I quote unquote met Alan Rickman once. This sounds vaguely familiar. I was at a play in London. I was uh, attending a play in London that he had produced. Mm. Uh, fascinating, actually. I mean, amazing play. I, I forget the title of it, but it was about an American woman who went to Palestine to basically report on the conflict between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Mm. And she ends up completely not being able to to stay neutral and not being able to stay ob- objective and gets involved on the side of the Palestinians and ends up getting killed. Wow. Amazing 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 play but it's all, and and it was a real story and she documented everything. Anyway, he had produced this and I went to get a beer during the act break and he cut in front of me. <laughs> to get I'm Alan to Rickman. Let me in. No no s- cutsies. <laughs> <laughs> to get two glasses of wine. And while he was getting his wine, a little pigtailed, little like eight or nine year old blonde girl tugged at his shirt sleeve with a, she had a little pad of paper. And she was like, please, Mr. Rickman, may I have an autograph? And he turned around. It was exactly like his Snape character. He turned around like. <laughs> like with the. <laughs> This look of contempt and disgust for this yeah. cute little girl. And he signed the thing. It was like, <laughs> Anyway. One more Rickman. A Rickman recommendation. The second movie that he ever directed, and I think it might have been his last, was a movie called A Little Chaos. And it takes, it's a period piece, takes place in King Louis the Fourteenth France. And he's his gardeners for the garden of Versailles. They're interviewing people to do that. And Kate Winslet plays a character who's a a garden designer, but she like, she slips the plans in without them knowing that she's a woman and she gets chosen to do it. And there's like, it's, it's obviously like the fight for her to try to be respected and to get it all built and people sabotage. Great, great movie. Really good. It's called a little chaos. Sounds fun. I recommend it. It's really good. Yeah. Only other thing to say is that, the intro and outro have that same riff. And we have the first time it's just the guitar.
when we're exiting, the flute gets involved. Mm-hmm. It's not a fade out. It goes and it ends. It's really good. And it's very goosebump producing. It's very frightening. Goosebumpery. Nick, welcome back to this part. And (laughs) I thought it'd be interesting to just chat a little bit about some of the musicians since we haven't done that very much. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this generation, this era of Paul is fairly, even though it's contemporary, it seems fairly removed from what we know of Tull in terms of historically. I mean, it's it's easier. It seems easier to know because we've got set times and dates. We know exactly who that person is. Mm-hmm. Whereas now we're kind of amorphous at the, at the moment, it feels. So yes, let us indeed talk personnel on a, on a more personal level. So Florian Ophal, Ophale. Is it Ophale? Is it, it's, a, it's a P, there's no H, right? There's an H later. <laughs> so it gets pronounced earlier? <laughs> so he's German. Oh, well. Born in 1983, German guitarist, best known for his work with progressive rock musician Ian Anderson and later his band Jethro Tull. Played with Tull slash Anderson from 2003 to 2019. So his work was early on in the recording process for this album. And he actually left the band between when it was recorded and when it was released. That's right. We referenced earlier that Joe Parrish James comes in to record for track 11, but also then does the subsequent tour. Right, 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 right. He also, just for the record, Joe Parrish James has his own band called Albion. And it's really lovely, really nice, like renaissance kind of folky music. It's nice, yeah. Oh, great. Albion, of course, meaning white and also an old word for England. Correct. White England. Because of the cliffs. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Opal grew up in Rosenheim, Bavaria. He learned classical guitar starting at the age of five and then later started training on the electric guitar. And really, you know, in terms of his career, it has really been focused on on Ian Anderson. He also has played with Aldi Menola. Greg Lake and Leslie Mandoki, and he accompanied Masha on her Germany tour. All of those sound impressive. Oh, he also is a flamenco guitarist. Oh, that kind of doesn't surprise me. I mean, if he's been doing classical since five. Yeah. Greg Lake is former member of King Crimson. Hmm. Okay. Is he not the Lake from Emerson, Lake and Palmer? He's actually the lake from The Lady in the Lake. From Michigan. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And he has a recording studio called Red Box in the south of Germany. Florian, not Greg Lake. Florian. That he runs with his wife. Confirmation, Greg Lake is the lake from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Right. And also from King of Also that one, yes. (laughs) So there we go. Um, you know, German guitarist has played a lot of guitar. Do we know what he's he's up to now? Sounds like probably running his recording studio. Oh, yeah. In Germany. I would be weird to run it anywhere else. All righty, here we are. This is, this song itself is zealous. It embodies zealotry in its 
delivery and its word choices. It's a lot to take in coming on the vehicle that is the music. It's just, it's really in your face, in your ears. Yeah, I, I agree. Even the structure of the language yeah. is clipped and it's almost more, do you remember Vikings, the song about Vikings? Gnunga Gap? No, further back. Snip, snap, tailwind. Oh, Keening. Cold Wind of Valhalla? Cold Wind of Valhalla. Remember how it's it's kind of just like a series of images mm-hmm. in some parts. Frozen flaking fish are on earth In a cup of silver liquid fire Moon jet raisins the ceiling swell That feeling I feel is represented in this song as well where you know, often when Ian writes, it's these long thoughts that are broken up by the structure. Yeah. Whereas this, it's much more like clip, 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 clip. Half of us are in the apple, half of us are in the pie. Pablam. It's, I guess, modern day Vikingry, you know? I mean, it's so impassioned and so... There's such uncontrollable force behind it that you, you can't stop and think to create the poetry it's just i have to get this out and therefore the poetry has that muscular quality to it oh yeah muscular yeah it in its own sense it is still poetry oh very much because it is written in a strategic specific way and and it does therefore aid in getting the point across so i think we were talking when we dipped a little bit into the context earlier we were talking about the the polarization of my religion and not my religion and and right. good and bad and left and right et cetera et cetera i mean it's it's all the idea of zealotry or or i i suppose the the main principle behind zealotry is that things are dichotomous things are binary yes. black and white either you're with me or you're against me and with the original meaning of zealotry and the way it feels like it is translating now is the idea that it's so drastically binary that it's not just, oh, we have differing opinions. It's if you have a differing opinion from me, you are such an existential threat that you need to be taken care of. You need to be dealt, dealt with, with. And, and wiped off of the earth so you cannot yes. in any way propagate your own feelings and opinions. Yeah, and I think where we see this really, where where this is very visible in the United States, are all these issues that that don't actually matter. <laughs> like, you know, where a group of people will decide, okay, this one thing that actually has zero effect on me, I'm going to make it a problem. And I'm going to make it a problem not only for myself, but for all the people that that is a factor in their life. Drag shows. That's the one I'm thinking of right now. Books. Books. Bathroom bans. Oh my god. None of it matters. It all is completely just like it's not it's they're literal non-issues. I'm looking directly at you, Florida. Yeah, but it's not just Florida. Ron DeSantis. Yes, absolutely. But he's the poster boy. I mean, Florida seems to be the poster boy. He's trying to virtue signal in a way to be the replacement for Trump. 
Yes, because he's realized that, ah, okay, dividing the country into the people who are it's quote unquote virtuous and correct, and the people who are and the 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 Visig- the moral Visigoths who are coming to destroy our our <laughs> our upright moralistic culture. That was our metal band name, wasn't it? Moralistic Visigoths? Yeah. Doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but no. the costumes were amazing. Oh my god, the leather and the platform shoes. Yeah. And so Yes, but but there are, I mean, this is happening all across the United States. It's happening in other places as well. Sure. I forget there's a country in Africa that just made it a punishable by death crime to be a homosexual. And the- punishable by death. In 2023, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, but I mean that's that's been around a long time, but the fact that that has been passed now, present day, begrudgingly not a surprise unfortunately and the way you can tell it's zealotry is that the people who believe that these things are a problem don't actually know what the things are there's some really great examples you know so drag shows and gender identity is is that has replaced the flavor of the week which before was critical race theory oh i forgot about that yeah i know right for a while, it was, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. They're teaching critical race theory in schools, and, and it's very, very bad. Which they weren't. Well, and also, there are all these clips of, of people saying, oh, okay, so you're against the teaching of critical race theory in schools. Oh, absolutely. Yes, it shouldn't be done. Great. Can you explain to me what critical race theory is? No. Nope. No, because it's a buzzword they heard on Fox News. And it doesn't actually really exist. It is maybe in one area of study, a title that is applied to one very, very small segment. In college law, I believe, right? Like yeah. college level law. Yeah. Right. And so it is just a phrase. And then the next phrase is drag shows. Yeah. And the next phrase is going to be whatever. It's going to be trains. 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 I wish that we would get zealous about trains. Yeah. As, as zealous as, as Ian Anderson is. So let's talk about some of the specifics. Half of us are in the apple, half of us are in the pie. Half of us are in the apple, half of us are in the pie. So we have, you're either in this segment or you're in this segment. But that's also, am I misinterpreting it here? Or is that, does that have something to do with like a worm in the apple as well? I think so. I would also say that it's a play on the... Out of the frying pan into the fire. Oh, sure. Yeah. What's worse than an, a worm in your apple? Half a, half worm, a worm in your apple? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And so we, the worm, are being split in half. Someone has to take the high road. Someone has to make the bed. Someone has to take the high road. Someone has to make the bed. This is very interesting. So it's sort of saying like, at some point, someone, for, in order for society to function, someone has to step out of this binary. But he follows it up with, no one has the right to tell you to lay down when all is said. No one has the right to tell you to lie down when all is said. I disagree with the lack of binary. I mean, the idea of the high road and the low road. Oh, interesting. Think about Michelle Obama. They go low, we go high. You know, it's the same thing. Someone has to be the moral high ground. Oh, and if we all think that we're on the moil, the moral, the moil high ground, the moil high grounds, the moral high ground, yeah. And the the someone has to make the bed is the you've made your bed now lie in it, mm-hmm. which ties into the lie down. 
I found these disparate pieces and I connected the red yarn. Well, and that's something that the human brain does. And that's something that those who peddle zealotry rely on. True. Yeah, those very loose connections. And it's something that Ian peddles in the form of you interpret my songs the way you will interpret them. Yeah, absolutely. I love the line, while some of us sit in between interminable shades of gray. While some of us sit in between interminable shades of gray. That's as close as I think we're ever going to get to Ian revealing his own position. Yeah, I mean, he has said, what did he say? I'm a professional fence sitter or something like that? Yeah. And the view from here is nice. (laughs) But in this, this song, doesn't this song feel like he's saying, pick a side? I think that what he's saying is describing a world which in which his fence post is getting smaller and smaller and smaller mm. and more and more people are falling off to either side. Yeah. The, while some of us sit in between interminable shades of gray, no need to walk the tightrope set out on that great divide. The balance scales may tremble, but the featherweights are on our side. No need to walk the tightrope set out on that for me, that's him switching between briefly speaking as himself, briefly revealing yeah. his own position, and then taking on the voice of, you know, that reminds me of, of all the generals and all the war mongers who've said, well, this is a very difficult war, but God is on our side. Yeah. Also, the featherweights is, isn't that a reference to, isn't there some religion in which all of your sins are weighed against a feather isn't that egyptian i feel like it is yeah your soul is weighed against a feather and if it's heavier than the feather then it's bad you don't make it through yeah but also featherweight is a a weight level in boxing so that also brings forth the the idea of conflict right yeah i want to jump down to part of the next verse ear splitting twitter thunder and a screaming banshee wail Part of what I think this song is about is the the loss of the ability to have complex thoughts or intelligent conversation or intelligent conversation. Yeah, and I'll I'll give you a little desaid anecdote. Love a desaid anecdote. Love it. I was texting with my dad a couple of weeks ago because I I had come across this article about a particular theory in the evolution of human consciousness. And that is something that one texts their father about, naturally. If, you're, if your father is... Is desayed. Is, is de then yes. Because yeah. I, was, I was fascinated by it. And, I was, and you know, my dad has studied human evolution and, and the evolution of society and all this. And so I was asking him, you know, is having a spoken language a prerequisite for consciousness? And then I was like, or, or rather, and he didn't respond. And I was like, or rather, is... <laughs> he didn't respond. Days of silence. <laughs> and I was like, or rather, you know, what has, the, what has been the role of language in the evolution of human consciousness? Sure, right. And then I think I, I, I asked the question a third way, and he didn't respond to that. And then I was like, or, or <laughs> ra- put another way, you know, what is the evolutionary advantage of consciousness in a species like humanity? Mm. And literal days went by and he finally responded such things cannot be answered in a tweet (laughs) 
valid. I mean, supremely valid and really fairly poignant to this song. Yeah, but and exactly, exactly. And I just, I appreciated that, that, you know, he followed it up with, you know, I think there's some books on the subject that I can recommend. Let me think a little bit about it. Yeah. But I just love that he was like, his response was such things cannot be answered in a tweet. But that's, we have, because of media, because of technology, even if you look at the 24-hour news cycle and the whole idea of sound bites, you know, mm-hmm. that used to be the what we called it in the 90s, but it's the same thing. Yeah. If you take this complex issue and reduce it to a couple of seconds or a couple of lines in, of text, you can't capture all the complexity. You can't capture the context. You know, the world is an incredibly beautifully complex and interconnected space in which nothing happens for one reason alone. Everything has multiple causes behind it that yeah. that uh, that interweave and and so to say oh this is because of this but it's just not that simple right i mean it's it ties back to that buzzword fear-mongering critical race theory don't know what it is but it's clearly bad because tucker carlson told me that it was bad and so then anything bad that i'm experiencing any fear that i have i can project onto that yeah and that's the the kind of genius of zealotry is to say and this this does get to evolutionary theory, but this idea, and I've talked about it dozens of times, but the idea of in-groups and out-groups, that is something that I think is built into the way that our brains are structured. In the research that my parents did with rhesus monkeys, and later the research that my dad did with uh, emperor tamarins, both species of primates and monkeys, there is a certain number in a social group beyond which that social group cannot support. So, and I think it's 50 members that once you go beyond 50 members, the social group has to schism. Mm. And it has to do with the number of social relationships that any individual can support and the, the structure in that society. And then the way that those individuals interact with members who are individuals who are part of an out-group is really different than how they act with members that are part of an in-group. And in in the in-group, there are, of course, social structures and discipline and fighting and infighting and all that, but all of that pales in comparison to how they react to a member of an out-group. It's all teeth, all viciousness. Yeah. And I do think that we, I do think that human beings are, naturally have that as part of our evolutionary past. Now, but I don't think that that means that we are destined to behave that way. Right. Right. Presumably we have, we have gone beyond that, theoretically. I think that we are evolving. Uh, if we are going to survive as a species, then I think that it is in our evolutionary interest to evolve to see every single member of our species as part of an in-group, as, as part of our responsibility to care for. And that's what Jesus was going on about. Yeah, I mean... Am I wrong in assuming that, like, it felt like we were going in that direction until, like, five or six years ago? Well, I think that it is too complex of an issue to simplify in that regard. In a tweet. But I do think that because humanity has so much complexity within us, we have the capacity for both good and evil. Yeah. We have the capacity to evolve and we have the capacity to devolve. And so I think it's always a fight between those two. 
and I think that probably it swings it swings this way and 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 hopefully you you know hope you hope that in the grand scheme of things if you look back over a thousand years it's swinging in the correct direction right it's not just me and my tribe making these decisions it's there are so many external factors that come into play that then in, interact and interfere with you and your tribe. And it depends on how not just you, but your tribe as well reacts to those things because it seems like evolution is, is a broad activity. It's not just a single person. A very long. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say that the discussion that you tried to get out of your father about language and consciousness, et cetera, that, is like a prime example of what you and I used to stay up until like four in the morning or five in the morning talking about in your kitchen yeah. in high school while listening to Tull. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's so much, this song is so relevant to what's happening in our lives that it's almost hard to just talk about the song, but are there any other specific lyrics that you want to pull out, Nick? I just, I really love the chorus sonically and lyrically carrying the zealot gene right or left no in between mm. beware beware the zealot gene naked flame near gasoline carrying the zealot gene right or left no in between beware beware the zealot gene naked flame near gasoline very poignant the second is it no it's not the second verse there is the third verse, bee buzzing in your bonnet and a wasp right up the bum. Yeah. A V8 under hood, which is that drink. It's a vegetable drink, right? A V8? Yes, it's also a V8 <laughs> refers to... Oh, that, you were just trolling <laughs> you me. fell wow. into it. Wow. Very easy. Very easy. Yeah. It refers to an engine. Yeah. A cocked hammer under thumb. And that's where we get your splitting Twitter thunder and a screaming banshee wail. You got too many opinions and a tomcat by the tail. All derivations and bastardizations of phrases that are basically you're screaming into the dark, you're screaming on deaf ears. There are things that hyperbolically are literally the worst thing in the world and they make you agitated and upset and, and I'm mad as hell and I'm not gonna take it anymore. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not gonna take this anymore. Yeah, well, and I... I don't know why that was Nixon, I apologize. My interpretation <laughs> of this song is that this gene, let's say, the zealot gene mm -hmm. does lie in each of us yeah. And can easily be activated. Sure. And so people who activate it on purpose are playing with fire and maybe don't realize how dangerous it is. Yeah. Or worse, do, but they're kind of, they've got blood in their eyes and so they don't, they don't realize, they don't care anymore. January 6th? It's like a zombie disease. Yeah. You remember The Walking Dead, right? I have heard of it. Yes, I remember The Walking Dead, yeah. There's that great scene in the second season, I want to say. Maybe it's the first season where they, they meet up with the scientist who has kind of figured out some stuff about, about what's happening and decides ultimately to blow himself up. 
that was the first season. That's kind of the, the kicker of the first season. Spoiler alert for like a 20-year-old TV show. Right. And right before the hero gets out of there, the scientist grabs him and whispers something in his ear. And you later find out that it's he's figured out that they've thought up to this point that it's this kind of breakout disease. And if somebody gets bitten by a zombie, then they, they turn into a zombie. And what the scientist reveals is everybody has the virus. Yeah. Every single person who's alive has the virus. Yeah. It was actually just a recipe for his mom's brownies. He didn't want it to make to... sure to set the oven for 225. But that seems so low. I know it's a low and slow recipe. Boom. That's why you use lard instead of shortening. <laughs> lard in brownies? Lard brownies, baby. Oof. Oh yeah. That was that was our first single from <laughs> What was it? I, I don't even remember the name of the band. You anymore. have to write the jokes down, Nick. I know. So, yes, in conclusion. Love one another. Love one another. And if you, if you start to feel yourself saying, yes, I'm going to love everyone except for that group of people, then maybe you should really take a hard look at your brain, set it out on a table, <laughs> and think to yourself, is my zealot gene being activated? Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite things, you remember uh, the Skinny Atlas Dickens Festival? Sure do. One of my favorite things that one of the performers who played Queen Victoria used to say is, Christmas is a time when we should remember to extend kindness to those we love and those we do not love. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a really great message. It's like you should... Use all of your kindness and all of your love and all of your gentleness and shower everyone that you love with that. And also everyone you do not love. Guess what? That was what Jay Christ was all about. It literally was. Yeah. There's some very specific meditation exercises in, I think it's Tibetan Buddhism. And... It's specifically about imagining someone, it goes in phases. So you first imagine someone you, you care about and you imagine, you know, enveloping them in a light of, of love and health and breathing, you know, positivity into them. And then you do the same thing with somebody that you feel neutral about. Mm. And then you think of someone that you hate, an enemy of yours. And you, and as soon as you start doing it, you feel this resistance of like, oh, I really don't want to show yeah. love to that person. And that's the point. And that's and breaking through that and being like, yep, I don't like that person. I think that person is bad. And I'm going to breathe positive. I'm going to take all of their pain into my body. And I'm going to let them, and I'm going to breathe health and prosperity into them. That is where it gets really interesting. Yeah, I mean, but that, that triggers that zealot gene, that animal brain of like, I will do this for them, but what are they going to do for me? They will just continue to be my enemy. Even on their side, they will they will think they will continue to do harmful things. They will continue to hate. They will continue right. to hurt me and those around me, those whom I do care about. And all of that's true, but the point of the exercise isn't actually to help them. It is to make yourself a better, more enlightened person. Right. And to improve your own relationship with yourself. Omen, what are we talking about next week? 
I am not so sure because I um, haven't looked it up yet, but I think it's a song from the Zealot Gene, and I'm excited to find out what. You're on to it. You're on to something there. I believe it was the third music video. It is track number five off of the Zealot Gene. It is Shoshana Sleeping. Shoshana Sleeping. Who's sleeping over there? It's Shoshana. Shoshana looks so sleepy. Maybe she needs her sleepy blanket. Hey, Shoshana, are you tired? You should sleep. It's my... Is that Dutch? Yeah, it's a Dutch accent. <laughs> That's like a Dutch accent. They they hit that, that like like <laughs> Not what I was expecting. Oh, smoke and a pancake. Would you like a smoke and a pancake? A what? A smoke and a pancake. Until next week, beware, beware. I am Omen Thomas Said. I am neither right nor left. I might be in between. I'm Nick McGill. We are naked near gasoline, the feckless moms. This show is not about xenophobic scaremongers. This show is Talk Tell to Me. I'm sorry. But I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die. And the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. 
Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world, a decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power, but they lie, they do not fulfill that promise, they never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite!